really thinking to myself, what's more scary, failing or not trying it and looking back in 20 years and saying, wow, I wish I did that. Blake Ross, founder of Firefox. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook. Steve Jobs, creator of Apple. Three young and successful entrepreneurs. People tend to see teens as angsty, rude, and irritable. When in reality, teens can be some of the most successful and creative people. Welcome to Now I'm Here podcast. This podcast aims to teach the younger generations that no matter your age, the possibility of success is within arm's reach. All you need is a little perseverance and a strategic mindset. Like Walt Disney said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Dare to dream. Now to our host, Sydney Jacobs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Now I'm Here Podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Jacobs. Today, we have Brandon Cooper from Inversify. Hello, Brandon Cooper. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So how would you tell us a little bit about Inversify? Sure. So Inversify is an upcoming platform for students and recent graduates aimed to help them build their network, connect and collaborate on new innovations. Right now, we are just acting as a job aggregator. So what we do is we take jobs from different platforms, as well as get companies to upload the jobs on our site and make sure that they are student and recent graduate opportunities only to make the search process for jobs more efficient. The next features that we're going to be launching are interactive features such as a section for students to connect and collaborate on their new ventures that they're starting, um, program and course group chats, and just over time, we're going to make this a full platform and professional network just for students and recent graduates. So let's learn a little bit about yourself. What's your education history? Where did the idea come from? And who's the team behind Inversify? For sure. So right now, I'm finishing my fourth year at Western University. I'm doing an honors specialization in accounting. So that would be my background business and accounting. And the idea started on December break 2018, which seems like a long time ago. Things have moved since then, but not as fast as I thought. And so I was searching for a summer position on that December break. And I just found that the platforms I was using to search for these jobs, they weren't great at offering me or organizing jobs for me that met my qualities, skill sets, and what I was looking for. They would send me recommendations for senior manager of marketing position or senior financial advisor. And I would be sitting there saying to myself, I do not meet these qualifications and this is not what I'm looking for. So it was very discouraging. And from there, I thought of the idea, what if I can build a platform that helps students find meaningful opportunities that will let them find a job that will give them experience, meet their skill sets, and as well, let them find the job quick. And so that's where the job part of the platform stemmed from. And from there, over the years, I just thought, wow, there are so many features I can add to this platform that will help students not only find their opportunity, but maybe create new opportunities and just connect with another student and build up their professional network before they're out of university. So you're the only one behind the team so far? Right now it is me and I am working with a developer that I met on another platform. He has been doing the coding and developing work for me because that's not my expertise. That's not my domain. And I needed someone to do that part, which is why it's actually um, taken a little bit to get it up. But right now I'm working with him and depending on how we start to grow, he will come on full time. His name's Kingsley and he is an experienced uh, software developer. So how did you, did you need to raise capital in order to do this? Like what is the funding so far that you have behind the company? Right now we've been bootstrapping. So using our own funds to build this out, we've started with 
a little bit of features only, not a lot, just so we can take this, um, we can have something tangible to bring to investors. So what we said is that what is the feature that's going to bring value, but also not cost too much at the beginning. And so that's why we started with the job platform. And now we're in the process of finding a seed funding. So the pitch deck and the business plan are being finalized and we should be speaking to some investors within the next couple of weeks. And then as the business grows, how are you guys going to make money? Do people have to pay to post positions? Do people have to pay to be on your site? How does that all work? Right. So that is always the question. And right now what we're doing is we're trying to grow the student user base. We need to find the product market fit before we worry about monetization. Once we find the product market fit and we have a lot of users, I think that finding the money and where our income is going to come through will be easier, but we're focusing on that product market fit. And so to get into our ideas for um, our income eventually, it will be from, there's going to be an employer portal for the site. So they'll be able to post jobs which we'll, we'll charge for um, featured postings, let's say vetted, vetting candidate lists for employers. So if they wanted, there'll be a resume database, they'll be able to go in and search through, find their ideal candidate. That'll be another feature. And we hope to host a bunch of virtual networking events in the future. So that would come once we have a large student user base and then some premium features for students eventually advertising. But Right now, we're just really focused on growing that student user base. So once we have that, we can start monetizing. I think that's something that people like really look over when you're starting a company like revenues, as much as that's important and to make profit, you're really trying to make like that customer base, that student base to be like using your platform. I I guess I kind of learned that I have you on the podcast and we had another company called Sublet Connect and both of your goals right now is just to grow your customer base, which I think is very much overlooked. Exactly. And so when you look at the history of, of other social media platforms or companies that need a lot of users to, it's kind of a chicken in the egg situation where, you know, you need users to grow, but who's going to be the first users. And so we're working on getting it out there and, and basically growing that user base. So it actually has value because there's no value to employers if there are no students, but once there's a bunch of students, then there'll be a, a lot of value. So it's a patience game. It's not going to happen overnight, but this is the start of it and it's going to be a fun journey. Is it hard to see something that you've already worked on for two years and still like as much as the ball has started rolling, you're still like, there's no revenue coming in. There's no cash flow really. Yeah. So when I first started this idea, my mindset was that I'm going to have this out in a couple months from now. We're going to have all these features and it's going to be the greatest platform. Two years later, we've just launched um, last week. We have over a hundred signups, which is pretty good, but it's definitely not where I thought I would be. And you learn over time that things just don't grow overnight. And we could have done some things quicker, such as getting out our minimum viable product faster, but at the end of the day, you just really have to believe in your idea and understand that it takes time and that regardless if it works out or not, I mean, if it is going to, it's not going to be overnight and that it is a process. So it served as a great learning experience, but there has been times where I've for sure been frustrated about just get not having it out there yet. So other than like the fact that you're going to get jobs recommended to you that you're, you're actually qualified for, how is this different than other platforms that currently exist? Right now, that's our feature that we're focusing on, but we're releasing other small career related resources over time. So one thing we want to have is a thing called the resume base, where 
employers or future um, people who have worked at, let's say, big companies in the past and have had successful applications, they'll either anonymously or just um, put their name out there, share their resume, and students will be able to find those resumes based off the industry, the job they were applied to. We're going to have a section that shows really what this career path actually gets you to and what it means. Because when a lot of students are going to apply to jobs, they they think that they're going to follow a certain career path, but what it ends up actually entailing, it, it might not be what they thought it was. So we want to just lay that out clear for students and help them understand what that career trajectory will be. And so the whole point is to just get this job platform feature out there right now, but then also over time, start adding all of these small extra details that give us that competitive advantage and also all of the other um, collaboration and networking features that we're going to have. This was really just our starting point. We needed to get a minimum viable product out there. And over time, we're going to add a bunch of features that we think will give a competitive advantage to the platform. So you're in accounting. You're, that's what you're studying in your last year of university. Come summer, is this what you're going to continue doing in Versify? Or do you think that you're going to look for another job and do this on the side part-time? I hope that this is my full-time job. And that's my goal right now. We don't know. I mean, I do need to make a living eventually and, and see where it goes, but this is definitely the goal to have this full time. I've been very passionate about this project and I've also always wanted to be an entrepreneur, even though I'm in accounting. I've had accounting experience in the past working as a summer intern somewhere. And I would say that it was a good experience, but it just does not fit my personality and what I'm looking for. When I'm doing something such as Inversify or working on something entrepreneurial, I'm waking up every morning excited to start the day. I'm passionate about the project and I put a lot more work into it. So I am hoping that this will be my full-time position and something that I can make that will provide me a full-time income as well. So at Western, what year do you choose a specialization? Going into year three? Going into year two. So once year you, two. once you, um, your first year, you do your basics and then they want to keep it open so you can find the path. And then since I was, uh, when I enrolled, I did the MOSS program, which is a management organizational studies. And then there's three paths. There's finance, there's just uh, the, the regular one, there's accounting. And I think there might be a couple more, but the accounting one was the one that I wanted to choose just because it gives you a good business background, right? I mean, it's not the most exciting stuff and it gets a little monotonous, but it does give you a good understanding of your business because you can have a successful business and have a lot of people using your product or service. But if you don't understand the back end of the business, then you'll run into a lot of trouble. I think that's interesting because I've spoken to a lot of people. I know at Ryerson, uh, their BCom program has like a, a law part. You can do like a law specialization. And a lot of people like regret doing that and would have rather done accounting. And I feel like it's almost people always suggest to do accounting because it's difficult. It's tedious. No one enjoys it really if you enjoy accounting that's a whole other story but I feel like it's so important like what you said like to be able to run your own company to know the back end of what's going on whereas if you just do like a law or an entrepreneurship specialization you get a lot less I think it's like people almost try to take the easy way out but like what do you really want to do I mean I'm looking at that now what specialization do I want to go into and there's no way that I'd want to do accounting but the more people that I speak to I think I'm going to regret that decision in the long run I think it's good to keep your options open and not almost pigeon um, hold yourself into one one route, right? And so, what, I mean, throughout university, if I loved my program, no, I, I've not loved my program. But now that it's it's nearing the end, 
I'm saying to myself, I'm actually happy I've done it because I've learned a lot. I, I understand back end of, of what I need to run a business. And because I'm going into entrepreneurship, it does help a lot. But I think it's very dependent on the route you want to take. And for me, this was something that definitely is going to benefit me. For sure. I mean, even just in personal finance, we talk about that a lot on the podcast, especially with this part of the podcast, like accountants know how to legally get away from like tax and, and how to make the most of their money in that sense. So it's beneficial from a personal finance standpoint, from a corporation standpoint that people just really don't realize. Yeah. And so for for me, if I, which, uh, which I'm open to doing right now is doing my, my CPA, which would be the, okay. and so that would help out because that would, that would enable me to learn a lot more than I do now. Right now, even though I've completed a, a specialization in accounting, I don't know enough and and I'd want to learn more and it's still just the fundamentals so that's something I'd be open to doing um if this is not going to go somewhere because that would give me a better understanding even of the back end of the business but understanding personal finances it, it all ties into accounting as well and that's something that's so important whether you're starting your own business or or have a side business or or you're not even in business at all it's just something that really can help you understand your budgets, your your personal finances, and, and just everything. It applies to everything. So if down the road and Versify doesn't work out, or you realize it needs to be more of a part-time thing, do you think that you're going to do your CPA designation and become an accountant, a CFO, a bookkeeper, something like that? Well, wouldn't be a bookkeeper, but is that what you would do down the road? My heart definitely lies in entrepreneurship. So at some point in my life, I'll find my way back here. If this doesn't work out, it was a great learning experience. I've already learned more than I thought I would. And But I would be open to doing my CPA if there was not another opportunity coming up, getting that experience for, for four or five years, and then starting my own thing. But ultimately, I want to come back to starting my own startup or venture and, and just working in entrepreneurship. You've learned so many things. What are some of the hardest things you've had to overcome while building Inversify? The first thing would be finding the right developer to work with. So having no technical background has really been difficult, especially when my platform is, is completely online. And when you're first starting and looking for a developer, you can pretty much be sold on anything if you don't have a, a technical background. So I've had experiences in the past where I haven't worked with the best developers and I've needed to change paths. And that has probably been the most difficult thing, which is why it's probably taken so long to get up. I feel that now I still don't have that strong of a technical background. I need to do work, but I definitely understand what I'm looking for a lot more, understand what type of developers can do what and specialize in different uh, sections of development. And so that was the hardest task that I had starting this for sure. What about marketing? Marketing is the difficult issue right now that we're, we're doing. So when you think of a social network or a professional network, let's say, such as LinkedIn or, or what other, other professional networks are out there. It's not really focusing entirely on the student demographic, 18 to 24. And so one thing we're trying to do differently is through social media, really market this platform as a professional network, but one that is not going to be as formal as a LinkedIn or another platform. We want to keep it informal. And so through Instagram, we've been posting memes, giveaways, just recruitment tips that's what we're really focusing on right now as well running advertisements 
And one platform that we're looking to actually try running out ads to appeal more to the demographic is TikTok. We're going to make short informational videos, create brand awareness on that platform, because I think that's a really underrated platform to advertise on. It's, it's easy to just go to Instagram and Facebook, the one that's more known, but TikTok has a huge audience and that's something we're really looking to target right now. For sure. The target audience on TikTok, of course, they could be a little bit younger, but a lot of the people on that is also 18 to 24 year olds, which is the market that you're looking for or people that will soon be in that age range. Exactly. And so over the years, when because we're always going to have people going to university, graduating. And so over the years that they'll be on that platform by the time they're the age, that'll be a good platform to market on. So Inversify, the name Inversify, what's the background? Where did that come up from? completely arbitrary. So we were sitting two years ago when I was when I was first starting this, I um, was working with someone at the beginning, but they didn't have the time and commitment to work on it. And they, they decided that it wasn't for them at the time. We were thinking of a name and we sat there for about a day trying to think of the perfect name for the company. What's going to get everyone on this platform. But at the end of the day, you learn there really is no perfect name and overthinking the name is just going to stop you from starting the other work. And so we thought of something that would flow nicely. And somehow we came up with Inversify after just testing a bunch of different ones. The domain was available on Google, Inversify.ca. We we grabbed it and we just went with it. And and that was the that was how we came up with it. But there's no real meaning behind it. It's a common question. And it's fun to just say, yep, it was completely random. That's fun. Hmm. What about like support from family and friends? Um, a lot of people that I've spoken to on the podcast have said like, it's it's so hard to get that support. And a lot of the time, like I've had some people say that this is the first time that they're talking about their company and they're not trying to pitch it. They're not getting like shamed on for their company. So like, how did that go about? Do your friends and your family like support the idea and think that it's a good idea? They're kind of like, that's just trash. That's not going to go anywhere. So th- there has been a lot of support as of recently the more that it comes to fruition and, and we've gotten something out there. At the beginning, I think there was a little bit of pushback, but I haven't had too much. Um, I've had a lot of support from friends and family. However, that's not the most important support that you need, right? Because sure. most of the time your friends and family, they're going to to tell you what is important, what works. And and I mean, they're going to say, well, yeah, we love your idea, right? They're going to say the good things, but no one will say the bad things. Exactly. That's what I'm noticing with the podcast alone. I'll say to my friends who listen, like, tell me something, what can I fix? And they're like, it's great. It's amazing. And I'm like, there has to be some way that I can improve. And no one is telling me this and I need the feedback. Exactly. And so I participated in a, an accelerator in September for the company and that was a good learning experience. And one of the things, the key things they highlighted there was start speaking to your potential customers. So I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to start messaging on LinkedIn or other platforms, potential students that would use it and say, hey, can I have a phone conversation with you? I I want to hear what you'd like to see, what you think of this idea and just ask for honest feedback. And so that was really beneficial because I was going outside of my friends and family, someone who can just give me an opinion and not worry, you know, if they upset me. Another strategy that I learned, and it's a very interesting one, one that stuck with me, is from Kevin Sistrom, the founder of Instagram. He'll ask people, he said at the beginning is, I'm going to give you an idea rated on a scale of one to 10, but it cannot be seven. So it either has to be above seven or below seven. And the reason that that works is because if someone doesn't want to tell you the idea is really bad or, or, 
or really good, they'll say seven, right? It's just like an average number. It's, it's not bad. But you know, if they say six, you need to go and do a lot more correction. If they say eight, it's actually a good idea. And so I, I found that's a helpful too, as tool as well. It's something cool that I picked up from him. Who have you been like marketing to? Is it all across Canada, more in the Ontario region, in London? Where are the students that you're trying to target right now? Yeah. So right now, the platform's only open to Ontario students, whether it's a university or college. The idea was to start just in Ontario. So when we start getting those interactive features out, we can form a network of students that already have some type of relationship and we can really focus the marketing on that de demographic. So instead of running campaigns across the entire country, we can just really focus on these specific areas to, to get the marketing out to them and then build these networks up. And so we figured that Ontario was good as me being an Ontario university student living in Ontario. It's, it's where my, most of my network would be. And so that was a good place to start. And the plan is to grow and go across Canada, expand to other countries eventually, but that would all be within time. So that's why we're starting with Ontario to really market to that demographic and target them and also just build those networks up first. And so we're recording this on January 19th. And you said you have uh, 100 people signed up so far? Yes, we have, a, we have 120 right now. So. 120. So I guess the podcast won't be out for a couple of weeks. I guess I'll catch up with you before then and then we can post a little bit and see how much you've grown since then because it's only released a week ago. Yeah, it released last Monday, January 11th. That's when we started to get it out there and promote it. It was a good feeling and it was a really hectic leak last week, just making all these changes, pumping out the marketing. And so, yeah, that's where we're at right now. 120 signups. Did you see uh, like a giant spike? Like were most of those on like the first day or two? Have, has it kind of gone up? So steadily? it's been it's been steady every single day. Right now we're focusing on, so we've had a giveaway running and on our Instagram page to build brand awareness for the company. But we think we'll see a lot more of a spike once we have interactive features out, right? Because right now we're just acting as a job platform. And we look at the frequency of how often a user is going to be visiting a job platform. They might be looking for a job, let's say in January or September, peak hiring seasons. And that can be there on the platform monthly or annually, right? And so we're expecting to get more users on when we have interactive features with frequencies of every day or, or, or every week where they're on the platform more. And so that's when we're really going to start probably seeing growth. And it's right now about just creating that brand awareness. We have a lot of people visiting the site too. So we've had over 2000 people actually visit the site, but the signups are a little lower. And so once we start releasing these other features, that's when we're hoping to grow a lot. Especially like students are all mostly looking for positions during the same time. They all want summer positions. So recruitment for that kind of happens in fall, December, January. So I guess then you're trying to grow into postgraduate students, which is like also your market as well, who would kind of be looking for stuff all around the year. But the one issue is, I guess you kind of have is like, once people find that job right now, they're off your platform. Exactly. And so that's why we're trying to get these other interactive features out that are going to benefit students more, such as a program slash course group chat feature where students, you know, you have Facebook and you have other platforms to connect and find notes, but we want to bring that all into one platform for students where they can just whether they're doing their job search or they're looking for notes they can they can just go or looking to like ask questions they can go onto this platform and do that 
And another interactive feature is um, a venture startup section, right? So that is a feature that's very important to me. And I'm excited to get that one out because it came from the idea of that when I was looking to start this platform, I was a business student and it would have been very useful to find a computer science student to help me build out this platform for equity, especially when students don't have a lot of money and funds to go get their venture started by contracting someone on the outside. And so this venture collaboration section will allow students who either have a venture or are looking for a venture to go and connect with another student who's listed themselves based on their program, their expertise, and really start that own venture, especially with entrepreneurship on the rise in, in students in, in this generation right now. I think that a lot of students are moving towards startups. They, they don't want to necessarily start at a, at a big company and work their way up. They just want their own autonomy and to start their own company right away. And so I'm excited to get that section out as well. It's important to me. For sure. Like I completely agree with that. I just uh, recorded another episode a few days ago and we were speaking about how, why we chose Shulik as the school that we were going to attend. And this student said he did it because he knew that there would be like-minded students like himself that were passionate, that had goals, and he could find someone that would complement the skills that he was missing. So in your case, you needed a developer because you didn't have those skills. And it's so hard to actually find someone like that, especially when like they might not go to your school, they might not live in your city. And a platform that could connect those people all together would be so beneficial to students who want to create something. So I think that's a phenomenal idea myself I would need. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it started from a struggle I had. A lot of my ideas, they they come from uh, struggles, personal struggles that I've had in an area. And so that's why I'm just really excited to implement it. I know that there is a need for students who want to start a startup and it will just influence students to actually take on their idea more because they have a great idea, but they don't know how to execute it. This will give them an opportunity to do that. And whether it works out or not, they'll, they'll at least get to try their what they've dreamed of doing. And so it's just something that I'm really excited to get out along with many other features, hopefully to be released depending on the growth. I think what I'm learning from the podcast after speaking to like Sublet Connect and their issue was they couldn't like figure out how to do subletting. Like it was difficult. It was challenging. Scoop supplements. It was like Uh, They would get tired of the flavors and now use. I think I figured out in order to be an entrepreneur, I need to have more struggles in my life. (laughs) I need to make my life more challenging and more difficult. And then I'll be able to come up with a good idea because that's the only everyone comes up with their ideas from a struggle that they face. That's how most products are created. There's something wrong. A water bottle isn't good. There's this problem with the water bottle. Okay, well, now I'm going to do this. And it's a water bottle, just a simple water bottle. Now, look, Hydro Flask or Gymshark. Where did Gymshark come from? A billion dollar company. It's just making clothing. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting how it works. And, and one thing I find is that once you do that with one idea and you start it, everything that you look at and has a struggle becomes, hey, someone should make this. And, and you just think about it, everything that you see that you think can be better, you start thinking about it in a, let's start this type of a way, an entrepreneurial way. And, and over time, like you just keep doing it. And it's really fun and, and exciting to do it. And so a lot of startups do start from personal struggles and issues. And so that's why I think that I'm very excited to get this out. Yeah, that's like the entrepreneurial mindset. Like once you have that one thing, you get the ball rolling and then you're like, oh, this person has a great idea. I'm going to invest in it. And then, oh, I have another problem. Let's make this product. Let's patent it. Let's trademark it. Let's do this. And then it just keeps rolling and your mindset is just constantly on the run, coming up with these new ideas, these new things to fix. And that that's how, like, I guess the greatest products are made. Exactly. You're a hundred percent right. Sure. Wow. I gotta, I gotta get on that. I'm a few years behind. <laughs> you have time. If you could look back at yourself, 2018, 2017, when you were a student, just kind of doing your program, what would be the biggest advice that you would give to yourself 
now with the knowledge that you have now? Um, would you want advice specifically regarding this startup or, or other areas? Anything, any advice that you would want to tell yourself? Okay, well, the one I can think of... Maybe how to do like a back roll wakeboarding <laughs> or something. Do you have any advice there? Um, I would say be careful because you have <laughs> gotten injured doing them and it's definitely not worth it. But something that I would give myself advice would be to just get after it. Just start what you want to start. And that applies to not only this startup, but it, it applies to anything else I've tried. A lot of the times you're going to be afraid to do something and get something out there because of what other people will think of you and just general nerves, doing something new and, and getting out of your comfort zone is something very hard to do. But you find once you do it, you get used to it and you, it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong practice to really just keep getting out of your comfort zone. And so I think the earlier you start that, for example, you starting this podcast and, and maybe just improving by the time you're in fourth year, you're going to be a master at it. You're going to know a lot more about podcasting and, and doing whatever you want. And then you can apply that skill to other facets that you want to improve and just know that you have that confidence of, of starting something and trying something new. So that's the advice I would give is just start early, get out of your comfort zone early because that's the best way to self-improve and, and learn new things. Regarding the startup though, I would say get your MVP out there. It took too long for us to launch this and it was a learning experience and not too long, but it probably could have been done a little bit quicker. We are just waiting for the perfect opportunity to launch, but it's never perfect. Your minimum viable product, when you look back on it, you're probably going to think it's bad. And that's okay, because the most important thing is just get it out there. And so I wish I did that a little bit earlier. How do you overcome the fear of failure? Did you ever have that fear set inside of you? Like, this isn't going to work. Why am I going to put my time in this? Or was no, that, never that definitely present is you? present. I'd be lying if I said that wasn't still present sometimes. It creeps up on you and it's and it's always there a little bit. But what made me get over that fear is, is really thinking to myself, what's more scary, failing or not trying it and looking back in 20 years and saying, wow, I wish I did that. For sure not so, trying. Exactly. And so... That's why I just pushed myself to really get this started and get out of my comfort zone because I know that if I don't do it, I'm likely going to regret it. And from doing that, I've just become a lot more comfortable with even speaking on a podcast, um, telling people about my idea, getting myself out there. And so regardless of this works out and I fail, I don't even see it as a failure. It's kind of just a great learning experience. I've learned so much already from doing this. And so the value in just learning everything I have just alone is more important than the fear of failure. What about the time management between balancing school and Inversify? How are you finding that? And do you think that that's going to benefit you further like in your future? So that was difficult. I took courses last year. I took five in the winter, five in the summer, and five in the fall. I wanted to fast track. And so that whole year was really busy. And I definitely found it difficult, but it made me learn how to manage my time better. It made me learn what works and doesn't work for me. And so this term, I'm only in three courses and they're relatively lighter than my other courses. And so it's definitely helped me with time management. I've like implemented certain tactics to keep me from getting distracted, such as putting my phone in a different room and not having it on my desk, turning my notifications off, waking up early is something important to me and, and just doing specific routines, like taking a cold shower. That helps me just stay um, in routine and, and make sure I start my day off right. But it's definitely going to benefit me in the future for when I have a lot more, let's say, activities in my life or, or things that I need to manage. I think that's that's another big concept that we bring up here is we had someone on the podcast who 
dropped out of high school because he didn't think that he could handle what he was doing with school. And that was always such an interesting concept to me because balancing school and sports, clubs, a company builds skills that you can't build in any other way. And right now as a student, as a teenager, as a young adult, these are skills that are going to benefit us so much in our future when we have families and we need to balance seeing our parents, spending time with our kids, our job, taking our kids to activities. Like These are all skills that are going to prepare us for our future. And it's hard. It's a struggle now. You might not get your sleep all the time. You might Sometimes you might not be able to go out with friends because you might have to do work. But in the long run, it's going to benefit us so much more than taking a step back, being like, no, I can't do Inversify because I don't have time for it right now because of school. And then realizing in the future that would have benefit you so much more. Exactly. And so another thing that I would say is that every morning I try to wake up and, and plan out my day and it never goes as planned to the T, right? A hundred percent, because there are so many variables and so many things that come up that are out of your control. And you just have to learn that things aren't going to go perfectly as you planned it. And you just have to get through it. So you have to do your best and just adjust along the way. You can set out an idea of what you want to do, but you have to be very adaptable and understand that it's not always going to go how you wanted it to. And so that's been very beneficial through this process, just becoming more adaptive and flexible and learning that it's not always going to go as planned. And for you, it's just on the scale of like your day, your day-to-day life. But in reality, like something can go wrong with a company, with something that you're doing. And you need to understand like, you're going to get knocked down, something's going to happen and you got to be able to get right back up and fix it. And that's okay. Like errors happen. And sometimes those mistakes or the little bump in the road will be the next best idea. It'll be the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Exactly. And, and so it's, it's a learning process. Being an entrepreneur is a learning process and, and being in school, it, it's just all comes together. And it's just, I feel like it's really prepared me for anything later in my life that I need to take on. So with that, we're going to end the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on Now I'm Here podcast. Thank you everyone for listening to Now I'm Here podcast and we'll catch you next episode.